0: This morning, we're studying 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11, as the first part of a multi-week study of chapters 12 through 14. So we're in chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, and these three chapters are often grouped together as a study of spiritual gifts, Primarily because spiritual gifts in general and the specific gifts of tongues and prophecies are referenced in all three chapters. But as we go through these three chapters, you'll see that Paul's primary focus is not on a comprehensive listing. He's not trying to be exhaustive to say these are the specific six spiritual gifts. He's not wanting us to just look at a number. Right? And he's not trying to explain or define all of the gifts. He simply refers to them, and he keeps moving on. And, and you know there are other verses, and we'll come to that in just a second, where he's referring to other gifts. But his primary focus, just as we have seen in the previous chapters of 1 Corinthians, Paul is much more focused in these chapters, chapters 12 through 14, on how our spiritual gifts and our love for each other are exercised. How are they manifest? How are our gifts used? And how is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit manifest in our midst for the common good of the body of Christ? That's what he's going after. So his primary focus is not about the gifts itself, but about what the gifts accomplish, what the gifts bring us to. The gifts bring us into this union and into this service and into this way in which the body of Christ is built up for the glory of God. And the common good, this is a phrase that you will find in multiple places in the Bible and you will see it. You know, you Google common good and you will see a number of articles and messages and all sorts of things about this. The common good that the Bible refers to, that's achieved when individual concerns are willingly put aside for the sake of the community, for the God-ordained and God-glorifying good of everyone. It's not that we would say, you know, the common good is if two or three people benefit. The idea is that the common good that God envisions and the Bible is speaking of is when the whole community when the whole body of Christ, when the church as a whole benefits from what the Lord is doing in each one of us individually. So we are receiving from the Lord, we are exercising gifts, we are moving according to the the direction of the Holy Spirit for the benefit of everybody else. Now, as we do that, when the community benefits, every individual in the community also benefits. Clearly, there is a, impact of that kind. That when we adhere to the things of the Lord individually and contribute to the life and the growth of the community collectively, we will benefit individually too. We will naturally experience the blessings of God, the presence of God, the truth of God, the work of God. And we will say, Lord God, thank you for what you are doing in me and in us together. So there's a willing, there's a willing sacrifice of what would be our desires in order for the desires of the community, of the church, of the body to be fulfilled. But in that fulfillment, we will also be fulfilled. And I'll come to that too, as we keep going through this message. But the common good, this, this, this common good that we're talking about, you must remember that if we don't have that perspective, If we as individuals seek to achieve and maximize only our own desires and ambitions, we can end up not achieving our good or the common good. It just, you know, there'll be something, some impact kind of thing. But if we are solely focused on ourselves, if our sole interest is for our desires and ambitions to be achieved, we will most likely not get those, and neither will we contribute to the common good, to the body of Christ being built up, to everybody else benefiting. So there is this nature of how the Lord asks us to live out our lives on behalf of others. And as we've talked about here in the past, it is a multiplying effect, right? If if only one person is involved in an activity of any kind, There is some benefit. But when one person, when uh, one other person is added to it, there's a multiplication of capability, of result. You know, it is this increased ability to see the work of the Lord done. And so when three, four, 10, 20, when the whole church comes together, of one mind, and of one accord, and says, we are determined to pursue these things of God. We are determined to work together, together, one with another, to see the plans of God fulfilled. When that happens, there's a multiplication that results in the glory of God, the will of God, the power of God, or the the presence of God, all of that being manifest. So that's where we're going. That's what we're talking about. Now, although there have been many atrocities that have been committed by Christians, the church, in the name of Christ, and so on, true Christianity, biblical Christianity, right? True Christianity has always been the catalyst for the common good of society, not just the church. If you think about it, the church has been a positive influence throughout history when it has been true to the word of God and who to God himself. When it has veered away into man-made institutions, power, authority, abuse, all of that, the church has created a whole bunch of problems. But when the church has been true to the word of God, it has been the catalyst and it has been many times the initiator, many times the, the driving force for the common good of society. The notions of equality of all human beings, justice and fairness, abolition of slavery, the protection of the life of an unborn child, many other human rights of this kinds, these were all possible, these were all established because they came from a biblical worldview. It was because somebody who knew the word of God, said, this should not be this way. It should be this way based on the word of God. And what we have done is an injustice. It is because of that that we have these effects in society today. The common good that has been ushered in because of people adhering to the word of God. So with that point in mind, that we are to seek spiritual gifts for the sake of others, and that it is the common good that is able to transform society too. You know, uh, by the way, you don't transform society by legislating laws. You can have laws in place, but if you don't transform the hearts of people, no change really takes place. And the way that change takes place in the hearts of people is because the church lives up according to the word of God. It's because there's a group of people who are living their lives out in such a way that others want to know this God that we know. And then when they are transformed by the Lord, there is a transformation that takes place in society. Now, so with all these points in mind about seeking spiritual gifts for the sake of others, this is all introduction, both this week and next Sunday, we'll consider how spiritual gifts are for the common good. So from chapter 12, we'll talk about or we'll consider how are spiritual gifts for the common good. Then we'll look at how expressing or living in God's love is for the common good. And that's from uh, chapter 12, uh, pardon me, from chapter 13. And then we'll go into a little more detail into two specific gifts, tongues and prophecy. Tongues and prophecy are mentioned in all these three, three chapters, like I said, and we will see how tongues and prophecy are for the common good. And that's primarily from chapter 14. And there's been a lot of misunderstanding and abuse of both tongues and prophecy. And so we need to ask the Lord for wisdom to understand and exercise these gifts. So that's where we're going. That's what we're gonna do. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses one through 11. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If you don't, just listen as I read. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one. I want to draw your attention to one very important truth before we consider the spiritual gifts listed in verses 8 through 10. Paul states in verses 4 through 6 and in verse 11 that it is the same Lord, the same God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, that distributes spiritual gifts to each one of his children, those who believe in him, those who are in relationship with him. Each one of us are equally valued by our Heavenly Father and equally empowered by the same Holy Spirit to receive and exercise spiritual gifts. There is no partiality. This is not for just some and not for others. God is speaking about spiritual gifts and God is speaking about the body of Christ and God is speaking about the common good and not leaving anybody out. So when you sit here and listen to this, or you're listening online or wherever and you listen to this later, don't listen to this and say, well, this is for someone else. This is for the spiritual person. This is for the young person. This is for the the holy person. This is for something else, someone else. No. The Lord is asking us to pay attention to this so that this will be true for each one of us. There is... And the, you know, the fact that the Lord is giving these gifts for different kinds of service means that we may receive different gifts in different seasons of our life and for different purposes. Right? The Lord may use you in a certain way at a certain age, and as you get older with more wisdom, and you know, uh, as you get you know, more mature in the Lord. There, there may be a different set of gifting even that the Lord reveals or that the Lord gives and makes you, you know, effective and fruitful in that ministry. So you have to pay attention to all of that and realize there is no minimum age and there is no age limit and there is no expiration date. You know, the Lord doesn't say, all right, I'll give you this gift and it'll last for 30 days, right? He says, look, I'm giving you this gift, and I'm calling you into this purpose, and I'm calling you for this reason. Step into it. Now, the Greek word that is frequently used for spiritual gifts is charismata, a word that refers to the grace, the charis of God, which is the free gift of God. But the use of the word charismata is the reason why those who believe in and exercise and emphasize the spiritual gifts are commonly referred to as charismatics. But the spiritual gifts are not for a select group of Christians. Spiritual gifts are not just for those who would say, I'm a charismatic. No, the spiritual gifts are for every believer, for every child of God. You don't... Desire spiritual gifts only if you're in a Pentecostal or charismatic church. The gifts are for everyone, for each one in the body of Christ, for what? For the common good. So, William McRae, a Bible commentator, defines a spiritual gift as a divine endowment upon a member of the body of Christ of a special ability for a specific service or ministry. Peter Wagner, The Bible teacher offers a similar definition. A spiritual gift is a special attribute given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body of Christ according to God's grace for use within the context of the body. This is God empowering us, using us, gifting us, and saying, look, I want you to be effective in the body of Christ. And let me state one more foundational truth. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual fruit is produced from within. Spiritual gifts are imparted from without, external. They come on us. They are given to us. Spiritual fruit needs to be born in us. And so spiritual fruit relates to Christ-like character. Spiritual gifts relate to Christian service. And we're going to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that the fruit of the Spirit, especially love, should be the context for the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. It is in that context of love and of all of the fruit of the Spirit, really, that we are to to exercise spiritual gifts. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 will remind us that spiritual gifts without spiritual fruit are worthless. So if you're thinking, oh, from this message, all I've got to do and and we get to this point of application, all I need is a spiritual gift. Well, yes, desire spiritual gifts, but also be diligent to bear spiritual fruit. Because the attributes of spiritual fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, these are eternal qualities. Spiritual gifts are temporal. They're only for our time here on earth. They haven't ceased, they are still in operation today, but they are only for a temporary period because they are necessary for the common good and for building up of the church. Once we are joined with the Lord for eternity, there is no need for these gifts. We don't have to minister in that way. We will experience the common good of the Lord Jesus himself along with everybody else in the body of Christ. But right now, right now, hey, we need it. We need these spiritual gifts in operation. We need the spiritual gifts encouraging, challenging, sharpening, building one another up in these ways. Now, in February of this year, when we were studying the book of Romans and specifically studying about body ministry, ministering in the body of Christ, We were in Romans chapter 12, verses three through eight, and we learned that we must humbly exercise spiritual gifts for the sake of the body. So I spoke quite a bit about spiritual gifts at that time, and I said at that time that there are many spiritual gifts, and they are presented, uh, and that may be very difficult for you to read, especially if you're sitting in the first row, Um, But no doubt in the back row, that's difficult to read back there. But I just put that up to illustrate the fact that I said at the time that there are many spiritual gifts listed in the Bible. And if you start looking at all of these references, there are at least 20, 22 different gifts that we could refer to. And you know this this list is representing in different portions of scripture in 1st Corinthians 12 in Ephesians in Romans in 1st Corinthians 7 in 1st Peter the idea that there's a overlap of some of these gifts too so the numbering there reflects the fact that if it was mentioned in a previous you know portion then it's just not repeated as a new number so about 20 22 unique gifts in this list as such now the reason i'm putting that up and i'm saying even if you don't I'm not able to read this right now, don't worry about it, is this. I want to encourage you to go to the church website or to access the Church Sermon Podcast and listen to the three messages from the Body Ministry series that we did in February, All right? The list of spiritual gifts is posted online along with the sermon notes for the message that was shared on February 13th, Body Ministry Part 1. So when you go there, go to the website, listen to the sermon, do all of that, but their notes are there, and this entire list is there too. So if you need to look at it, you want, want to refer to it, you want to know what are the gifts that are there that are even listed in the Word of God, then you should look through all of that material that's all there. So I'm not trying to repeat all of that this morning. But you'll notice in this list that 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 refers to speaking gifts, which really have to do with the ministry of the word, the spoken word. And then it also refers to serving gifts. These are the ministry of practical service, whatever ways you would serve in the church to administer, to, hog, to be hospitable, to do whatever is necessary to you know, just cleaning, whatever it may be that you're doing as a practical ministry uh, in the church itself. And so First Peter is speaking about them in a very general way as a catch-all to talk about several gifts. And although the speaking gifts are typically more visible, they're most, you know, they're often up front on stage. You see somebody with a speaking gift, whether it's, you know, teaching or preaching or prophecy or tongues or interpretation of tongues, whatever it may be. You may see something much more visible up front with the speaking gifts. The serving gifts are just as important. There is no differentiation. God doesn't say, oh, you were up front in front of 10,000 people, you are better. You have a greater reward than you who nobody knew about. That's not the case at all. The point here is that the Lord will say, you be faithful to what I have called you to. You be faithful to what I have asked you to do. You be faithful to exercise the gifts that I, I have given you. I have given you this. What have you done with that? And so that's the question that is asked of us, and that's the point that we need to make sure that we're paying attention to. And so the point of referring to all these different gifts like this and to even have these catch-all phrases is to, is to let us know, is to make us think that there could be other gifts here that are not even specifically listed but would be, would be appropriately you know, part of what is made up in the body of Christ in, in his book, Your Spiritual Gifts. Peter Wagner, in fact, suggests that there could be seven additional spiritual gifts. He says, you know, these are things that are not explicitly stated, but these could be some things to consider. One, voluntary poverty, that you would impoverish or be in an impoverished state to a, so as to do something. You would adopt a lifestyle that way. You would go into difficult circumstances. You would be willing to forego and sacrifice material comforts in order to do what the Lord has purposed. Second, martyrdom, that there will be a gift as such that you would joyfully and be with great you know, boldness, be willing to suffer or even die for the faith. And you know the people around the world and all through history that have gone through those kinds of things. A third area could be hospitality it's not explicitly mentioned in this list but there is a way in which the lord can grace you and gift you to receive others to host others to to be generous in that way and you know to be hospitable the fourth is that of being a missionary just as there are apostles and prophets and teachers that are given as gifts to the church even though it is not explicitly mentioned in that list there can be the gift of a missionary given a person who is willing to forego or to make whatever the point of sacrifice is necessary in order to reach out in order to reach out to a different people group, a different culture to go within their own community to do what's necessary to go on mission to be sent in that way. the fifth uh, gifting as such could be intercession, the ability to pray with fervency and with urgency to pray in a way that most people don't even think about it. Most, people, most people don't even consider that they would pray in that way and come to the Lord in that way. The sixth area could be with exorcism, the ability and the confidence to cast out demons with, uh, with authority. And then seventh would be creativity, that the Lord would gift you to be creative with music, craftsmanship, whatever things there may be, for the glory of God and the building up of the church. These things are not explicitly mentioned in this list, but as you know from your own experience and from the history of the church, these are ways in which the Lord has dealt with people or used people. In fact, in the Old Testament, right, right at the beginning, when we talk about the building of the tabernacle in you know, Exodus, it, the Bible speaks about how God gifted the individuals that were there to build the very specific parts of the tabernacle, the trappings of the tabernacle, the instruments that were used there, the, 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 the candlesticks, the altar, the, and then the Ark of the Covenant. They, they were given very specific tasks, but they were given very definite gifts in order to be able to carry out that kind of a purpose. So this morning, in addition to, or, or, or more accurately to reinforce all that we considered during our Romans series, I want to emphasize two points regarding our pursuit of spiritual gifts. Just two different things, and then we'll wrap up pretty quickly. And I want to uh, really use this as a way to also prepare for communion even as we remember the greatest gift that the Lord has given us. But the first thing that I want to make our point uh, point us to is that we discover our spiritual gifts when we seek the common good. If you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I don't know what my gift is. And I don't know how to find it. And there are lots of tools, and I mentioned this even when we were doing the Roman series. There are tools and other ways in which you could try to Survey or assess your capabilities and your gifting and so on what has the Lord been using you in but the point that I want to make to you is this you will discover your spiritual gifts when you seek the common good. When you serve, when you just jump in, when you start to attend every meeting that you possibly can, when you give, when you, when you are uh, giving of your time, your talent, your treasure, you just engage for the common good. You give everything that you can. You come to the service and you worship with all that you've got in you. You do everything that you possibly can to build up the body of Christ. And as you seek the common good... God will reveal more and more, speak to you, direct you, lead you, so that you will start to discover your spiritual gifts. And many of you may have already experienced this. It is in the communion of believers. It is in the fellowship of the saints. It is in our interaction as brothers and sisters that we are able to say to one another, hey, I, I noticed that this is happening in your life, or I, I was really blessed by what you did this last week, or I, I was so encouraged when you just randomly called me and prayed for me. And it is only in that interaction, in that growth together, that we even start to hear that, see that. When it was many years ago that someone said to me, I, I really appreciate what you shared about this, you know, and I thought, okay. I'm so glad that the Lord used me in that capacity. But it was an opportunity to be discovering what the Lord is doing in you as you interact with people and they speak to you. And they say to you, I've been blessed because of this. You know, there's a spirit of hospitality or there's a spirit of generosity on you. There's a spirit of intercession. There's this this. This miraculous power that is there, evident. I mean, you prayed and this happened. You know, I see this in you and we are encouraged by it. We are built up in it and we say, oh, okay. And I start to discover, I start to see, I start to sense, oh, this is how the Lord is using me. I see the fruit coming from it. So we discover our spiritual gifts when we seek the common good. Now, that means we have to be educated about what the spiritual gifts are. We've got to be looking for these, you know, going through these scriptures. We've got to desire to have them and so on. But as we learn more about the spiritual gifts and then exercise what we know, we're not trying to be somebody else. We're just trying to do what the Lord has asked us to do. It's not saying, oh, you know, I think I have this gift, but there are six other people in the church who are far better than me than doing that. Maybe. But go ahead. If that's where you believe the Lord is asking you to exercise that gift or he's prompting you to do something, jump in, do it. And as you do it, you'll discover. And it may be that 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 is only the opening, the entry, and there's another whole area that the Lord wants you to pay attention to and be gifted and be useful for. Don't ever think, you know, my time is done. No. No. There is something that the Lord has a purpose for you for if you're still drawing breath on this earth, right? If you're not, well, then, you know, you're, you're happy with the Lord. You're, 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 you're in Him. You're good. But if you're still drawing breath on this earth, He still has something for you to do. So then ask Him and say, what are the gifts, Lord? What do I need to do? Maybe I was exercising a particular gift for many years of my life, and now physically even I'm not able to do that. But there's another gift that I may be able to exercise, that I may be able to step into. And so I go after it. And then as I do that, as I'm exercising, as I'm seeking the common good, I'm asking this question of myself, what is the Lord saying to me as I learn about the different gifts? As I learn about the different gifts, is there something that the Lord just... I I say, this, this really, you know, I mean, this stands out. This is an area that I think I need to pay more attention to. This is where I think I need to really invest in. Does that happen? Does the spirit stir you in that way? Pay attention to that. Which of the gifts resonates with your spirit? And then as you are exercising, how have you been led by the Lord to serve the body of Christ? Have you been led by the Lord to pray for somebody for their healing? Have you been led by the Lord to share the gospel with somebody in an evangelistic way, in a missions way as such? Have you been led by the Lord to give in some way and help somebody out? Have you been led by the Lord to just be there as a word of encar- with a word of encouragement at a timely you know, point, a, a timely need for that person? What is it that the Lord is doing in you and causing you to serve the body of Christ? Are there experiences and learnings from your past that are relevant for this current situation? What are the ways in which the Lord is burdening you or affecting your thinking? Some things in what is going on really affect you more so than the other person. And you, you can't even figure out, how come you're not bothered about this? Or how come you're not paying attention to this? Or how come you're not doing something about that? Maybe because the Lord wants you to do something with that. And the Lord is calling that person to do something else. Right? Right? And we pay attention and we say, what is the ways, Lord, that I can do this? And as you do this, have you experienced the peace of God and the joy of God? If you're burdened doing something and you have no peace and you're overstressed and you're like running ragged doing this thing. I, you've got to step back and say, hey, Lord, is this me or is this you? Because the gifts of God are coming with the peace of God, the joy of God, the patience of God. Oh, when you're exercising gifts, there are lots of need for patience. Um, you know, and, and you have to rely. You have to rely on the things of God to say, all right, God, how do I live this out? Right? So when we do that, as we experience this, as we go in this way, we ask the question, what is the feedback I'm receiving? Are people helping me to grow in this? Are they encouraging me to keep doing this? Are they saying, ah, hmm, a good good try, but maybe you should do something else. Are they telling you that? Then listen, listen. You know, don't be stubborn, don't, don't, don't say, I know I have this gift and I'll prove it to you no matter what. You know, just, just you know, pay attention, pay attention, and keep going in a way that ultimately you can ask this question. Is the Lord pleased with me? Not are people pleased with me? Not am I pleased with myself? Is the Lord pleased with me? Can the Lord look at what I'm doing and the Lord listen to me and say, well done. Well done. If so, just keep going. Just keep going. Because our motivation for seeking spiritual gifts should not be to consume it on ourselves. You see, when we seek the common good, If we say, I'm going to do this for the sake of the other, then it keeps us from being proud and high and lifted up and focusing on self and say, look at me. When we are seeking the common good, not our good, when we are seeking for the body of Christ to be built up, we will not be self-centered. We will be other-centered. That's what the Lord is asking us to do. We have tended in the church to focus on specific individuals who have specific gifts. And we sort of lift that up. And we say, ooh, look at this man, look at this woman, look at this, look at that, oh, you know, this happened. And we tend to focus on the individuals. And we tend to focus on that specific gift. Now, by all means, rejoice in what the Lord is doing through people, by all means. But have we been asking the question, How is the church manifesting the power of God, the presence of God, the gifts of God? Is the church collectively doing that? Will people who look at New Life Fellowship Church say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that church, right? There are one or two people there that are good. No. They need to be able to say of us, New Life Fellowship Church, I don't know any of the individuals there. I don't know their individual names. I don't know who their big star is. I don't know. But I know what This church is continuing to honor God. This church is living according to the word of God. This church is exercising spiritual gifts. This church is looking out for the common good. This church wants every single person who is in the church to be built up and to be used by God and to be growing in the Lord and maturing in Christ so that, oh, the kingdom of God is advancing. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. This, that is the testimony of the church. Then we can say, oh God, thank you, that the spiritual gifts are being given for the common good. And then, when we exercise these spiritual good, gifts, when we desire these spiritual gifts, we should desire them for the common good, to not to consume on ourselves. But when we exercise our spiritual gifts, we will be satisfied we will be satisfied. It's going to be tiring, especially in the early stages. You know, I have a friend who pastors a very large church now, but when the first time that he ever conducted a public meeting, he advertised it, did all the stuff, sent out flyers, you know, rented a hall, had chairs put out, not a single person showed up. Not a single person showed up. He preached to the empty chairs. He just preached to the empty chairs. Today, there's a thriving community, multiple churches, Bible school, youth, music ministry. They're recording stuff. They're doing things all over. People are doing all sorts of incredible things through that ministry. But he started out by saying, Lord God, oh, this is tough. This is tiring. This is discouraging to be standing in front of empty chairs. But I will keep going because I know this is what you've called me to. When he was 13, he had that vision that this is what he would do. So when we are exercising our spiritual gifts according to the working of the Holy Spirit, we will be content. We will be satisfied. Not because of the numbers, not because of some external measure, but because of the fact that we know that we are doing what the Lord has asked us to do. There'll be a confidence. There'll be a peace of mind. There'll be a settling. Just say, ah, I'm good, I'm good. I know that the Lord is at work in this. We are satisfied, we are content. When we exercise spiritual gifts according to the Holy Spirit, others are edified. Others are built up, others are encouraged. Is that happening consistently? Oh, praise God, praise God. Nothing else really, really matters, right? Others are being edified. It may be just one person, by the way. It may be just one person. Praise God. Praise God. And most importantly, when we are exercising spiritual gifts according to the Holy Spirit, the Lord is glorified. The Lord is glorified. If that's happening consistently, no matter what you're doing, you know, you could be cleaning toilets and nobody sees you, but you do it as unto the Lord. And you do it because you know that the Lord has called you to this. You, I, I, I mean, you know people who will come to you and say, I have a gift for cleaning. I really do. You know? And when they do it as well as they can, with all their strength, with all their effort, and they do it, and the Lord is pleased with them, and the Lord is glorified in their obedience, in their commitment, in their service, that's it. And we would say, thank you, Lord, that that's happening. What I want to encourage us as a church to do is this. That we as a church will respond and apply the word of God that we have heard by eagerly desiring and then exercising spiritual gifts. We're going to go through these next few weeks and then we're going to go into this whole thing about you know tongues and prophecy and all that in the new year because we'll take the time to have that service on Christmas Day and then the New Year's Day and then we'll have all of the you know, new weeks beginning in January. So this series is not done. We're, we're gonna go through a few more things in this, and I wanna get through some specific points about tongues and prophecy. But I wanna, I wanna challenge you. I wanna encourage you that today, and right now at the end of this year, 2022, going into the new year, 2023, that you would wake up every day and say, Lord God, I want your gifts. I want you. I want you. First and foremost, I want you. But I also want your gifts, Lord, so that I will step into all that you've called me to. And I will do it with strength, and I will do it with passion, and I will do it with conviction. And I'll do it with faith, and I need you to move, Lord. I need you to move, not for any other reason than I want to see my church built up. I want to see the body of Christ universal built up. I want to see the common good take place. Lord God, do this work now. So this, rest of this month, when we start out in January, we're going to start with 21 days of prayer and fasting, January 1st through the 21st. But right now, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you that you just start praying for spiritual gifts. What would it look like if in 2023, every single person sitting here, every single person sitting here each one is manifesting at least one gift of the Spirit. Maybe four, maybe ten, maybe twenty. What would it look like for our church if every single person sitting here is not a spectator, is not just coming to say, oh yeah, that's good, oh that was not so good, the trees are oh, not so great. You know? I mean, no. But they would, be, they would be coming and saying, I am coming to exercise this gift that the Lord has given me for the benefit of others. I am coming to do this for the common good. I am coming to build up my brother and my sister. And we, so then, you know what, then you wouldn't miss a service. Why? Because it's an opportunity for you to go and build up the common good. It's a it's an opportunity to go and contribute to somebody else's well-being. Every prayer meeting, every fasting, oh yeah, fasting! Uh-huh. But every fasting, every time would be an opportunity to say, let me go and exercise my gift. Maybe you are a worshiper. Maybe there's that gift and maybe it's just on a call or just on something else or just in a meeting. And you sing a single, you know, a simple song and you just allow the Lord to, and that touches somebody's heart. That encourages, that builds up, that brings them to the Lord. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a verse that you share. Maybe it's a blog post that you write. Maybe it's just how you call somebody and say, I thought of you today. The Lord reminded me. And I'm praying for you. But in 2023... 2022 is not done. I'm not saying don't pray now. Exercise spiritual gifts now for sure. But in 2023... Oh, let's pray. Let's pray that the right people will be here, that the Lord will add to our number of those that need to be part of this local church. But for those who are here, let's pray for every one of us, every one of us, each one, to be ministering in the Lord with the spiritual gifts that He has given us. Heavenly Father, We just thank you so much. And you are a good, good father who knows how to give good, good gifts to his children. And we don't come to you and beg you and we don't come to you and ask for, Lord, bread and receive a stone. No, no, we come to you and we are learning about your gifts, your provision, your grace to us. And we come and we ask for that. And we say, Lord, give me. Give me these gifts so that I may build up my brother and my sister. Give me these gifts so that I will work for the common good. Give me these gifts, Lord, so that I may glorify you. Give me these gifts so that your purpose will be fulfilled. Lord, each one of us has to do our part. Lord, if ten people have gifts, but, a, but just even one person doesn't, if they're not praying for that, if they're not seeking that, if they're not building that way, then it's as if we have, Lord, all just our hands are okay and our toes are okay, but our ears are not. Every member of the body, every part of the body has to be equally engaged, Lord. And so we pray for that. Lord, even next week as we look at that, that, that imagery of the fact that the members of the body have to come together and live and move in this way, Lord, now, 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 let the desire rise in us for spiritual gifts, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for the power of the Holy Spirit to be manifest. Let that happen. Lord, come. We want to close out 2022 with great expectation. But that Lord is not expecting somebody else to do something. The great expectation that we want to have is that you will use us, each one of us. So come, Lord Jesus, fill us. Oh, Lord God, gift us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.